Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, which a lot of us know as ATF, hasn't had a permanent director for six years. Six years. That feels a little weird, right? You know, part of the problem really is that presidents don't see the need to push a nominee when they know it's not going anywhere. That's Anita Kumar. I'm recording. She's a... White House correspondent and associate editor at Politico. And has been looking into why, in the 15 years since Congress required ATF's head be confirmed by the Senate, only one has gotten through. None of these people have gotten through Congress because of the simple fact that gun laws in this country are so controversial. And so, of course, the director of the ATF has become equally as controversial. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Anita Kumar on why Biden's pick to head up ATF looks like he's going to face the same fate as those who came before him. So, Anita, it was in April of this year in the aftermath of the mass shootings in both Atlanta and Boulder, Colorado, that Biden first announced he was picking David Chipman to lead ATF. I'm proud to nominate David Chipman. David knows AFT well. And Vice President Harris and I believe he's the right person at this moment for this important agency. He made that announcement alongside new pushes for gun reforms. And I want to talk about Chipman and who he is. But first, I'm curious what you make of why Biden chose that day and that moment to announce the nomination, because it feels in a way kind of symbolic to do that with the backdrop of these shootings and new gun control proposals. Well, let's go back to sort of the campaign for a minute. Good morning, everyone. I want to thank you all for uh, for coming out. Gun safety and gun violence was something that President Biden, then, you know, candidate Joe Biden, talked about a lot. I don't accept that we can't stand up and say no more. There is a big part of the Democratic Party that feels that this should be a very top issue. And he said it would be a top issue. He has seen both kinds of gun violence, you know, gun violence that's sort of every day in big cities and, and small cities, actually, across the country, but also these mass shootings that we've become so familiar with that seem to happen all the time. Mm-hmm. And he said that he really wanted to do something about it, that he would make it a top priority. I've been the National Rifle Association nationally twice, and I'll do it again. And what's happened is when he came into office, you've seen while he has talked about this issue, he hasn't made it the top priority. He's made other things the top priority including, obviously, uh, fighting the coronavirus, which is understandable, but also some of his spending plans that he's currently still working on, trying to get some of these big ticket um, items through Congress. Uh So it hasn't been the top priority, and he's feeling a lot of pressure at the White House uh, by some of these advocates and survivors of gun violence to really do something. And so the announcement you mentioned came because there was that pressure for him to do something, and he needed to announce something. He is limited in what he can do through executive action without Congress acting. And this is one thing that he actually could do, which is announce uh, his nominee for ATF. Interesting. So Biden picks Chipman amid this pressure to act on gun violence to deliver on his campaign promises. Who is David Chipman? What should we know about him as a nominee? 
David Chipman has spent really a career, decades, at the ATF. So he's been working in the law enforcement agency for decades. What sort of makes him controversial now is that after he left ATF is that he joined various gun safety groups and he has been pushing, um, you know, vocally in op-eds and testimony to change some of the laws uh, on the books related to guns. And so he's become really an advocate. And uh, that part of his career is quite controversial. Hmm. So he was nominated to head up ATF in April, which means it's been four months, more than four months at this point, and he's still not confirmed. What's going on there? Well, it did get his nomination got through the Senate uh, Senate committee. Hmm. But basically what you're seeing is the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has not called or put this out for a vote for the full Senate. And the reason is he doesn't have the votes. He's not going to ask for the Senate to vote on this nominee until he feels that he has all the votes in line. And they don't have that. And they may never have that. You're hearing from people increasingly that think that he is not going to get through. Why exactly is that? You know, I think there's a couple reasons here. One is Republicans are in lockstep on this nominee, they're, they're basically saying, even the more moderate Republicans, that they are not going to support him. So you have people like Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, two of those more moderate Republicans have come out now and said that they don't support him. Um, basically, what that means now is it he needs every single Democrat, all 50, because the Senate is evenly split, and the vice president, Kamala Harris, to vote for him or he won't get confirmed. Uh, We have heard and reported that one of the senators, who's actually an independent from Maine, Angus King, who caucuses with the Democrats, has told people privately, he hasn't announced anything publicly, that he's opposed to David Chipman. And that's really the holdup. What would you say is at the core of the opposition to Chipman? It's basically what we talked about before, which is people perceive him as an advocate someone who is trying to change the gun laws in this country as opposed to sort of enforcing the ones that are already there. They don't feel that it's his uh, place to do that, right? He's a law enforcement official. He's not an advocate. And that's and that's what Republicans are saying is that he uh, supports all sorts of changes, including expanding background checks and, uh, you know, limits on magazines, all sorts of things, and they don't want that. What you're seeing is all the Republicans are opposed, and even some Democrats, some more conservative Democrats who come from conservative areas where hunting uh, and owning guns is sort of part of the state or part of the culture, uh, being hesitant about it. So people opposed worry that Chipman would push for like new gun control measures if he were in charge of the ATF. I mean, is there validity to that? Like, is that power that he would have if he were confirmed as director? Well, he has said, Chipman has said that he does want to make some changes and he would have the power to make priorities within the within the agency. So just like you see at the Department of Justice or the FBI, those directors get to decide sort of what the priority is. Can they crack down on certain types of crimes? Because, you know, clearly not every crime is uh, 
you know, has the same priority at federal law enforcement agencies, he would have some power to do that. He does not have or would not have the power to change the laws in this country. Obviously, only Congress can do that. So there is some validity, but there's not a lot of validity to that. So Chipman's nomination has been held up for the past four months. Um, But as we mentioned before, this is't exactly a unique situation. It's a post that hasn't been held permanently by someone since 2015. What is up with that? Yeah, you're exactly right. There's only been one confirmed ATF director in its in its history, really since it needed a Senate confirmation. So one in the last 15 years. All of them are controversial, not because of who they are, although David Chipman is controversial because of his background, but because the office is so controversial. Uh, Republicans largely believe that anyone who's going there is going to infringe on Second Amendment rights in this country. And so they have held up some of them. But it's not just Congress and it's not just Republicans. You know, sometimes uh, the the president hasn't himself hasn't uh, pushed for the nominee, partly because they know it's so controversial, you know, and they don't feel like they need to put out that political capital on something that's just not going to go anywhere. So during Donald Trump's administration, it was uh, you know, he had a he had a nominee and withdrew it. I mean, you know, these last three, two and three presidents have just decided to have the acting director continue on. What do you think it tells us about national politics and the politics of gun control and gun rights that this is a post that has become so controversial that essentially nobody can get through and and make it to the post. Yeah, I mean, we don't talk about this every day because, honestly, a lot of people in America don't talk about gun violence or, uh, you know, gun laws unless there's a mass shooting. Every time there's a mass shooting, you know, there's a national conversation again about gun laws in the United States. But what it does say is that whether we talk about it or not, guns and restricting guns and gun laws in this country are one of the most difficult, uh, controversial, contentious issues that Congress and, and the federal government faces. It simply cannot agree on this issue. It has a philosophical disagreement, Republicans and Democrats primarily, but not fully, as as we discussed earlier, that some some Democrats also are not supportive of, of this nominee. It really tells us that this is one of the toughest issues for the federal government and, and the United States Congress to deal with. It's why we've seen year after year failures of Congress to pass any changes to gun laws. And they are there are bills introduced every year and they just never go anywhere. Anita Kumar, thanks so much for talking with me. Sure. Thanks for having me. Also today, Democrats three point five trillion dollar budget framework is moving forward in Congress. The House passed it on Tuesday, capping off several days of furious negotiating and ending a weeks-long stalemate between Speaker Nancy Pelosi and a band of Democratic centrists who threatened to upend President Biden's domestic agenda. The House vote clears the way for Democrats to pursue a massive social spending package that could pass both chambers without Republican support and sets a September 27th House vote 
on the Senate-passed infrastructure bill. All Democrats, including the roughly dozen moderates who threatened to tank the party-line spending plan, voted in favor. And two new studies from the CDC show fully vaccinated Americans' immunity waning. One, which focused on frontline healthcare workers, found that vaccine effectiveness declined by nearly 30% since the Delta variant became the dominant strain in the U.S., and that the vaccines were 80% effective at preventing infection among the health workers. The CDC cautioned in its report that effectiveness, quote, might also be declining as time since vaccination increases and because of poor precision in estimates due to limited number of weeks of observation. The second study, which examined 43,000 L.A. residents, found that 25 percent of new infections from May to July were in fully vaccinated individuals, while 71 percent occurred in unvaccinated people. The study also showed that the hospitalization rate was significantly lower for fully vaccinated people. Today's episode included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet. And also while you're there, check out some of our other shows like Politico Energy and Playbook Deep Dive. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.